Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Strange Familiars. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, you can email us, strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. At this time, we're pretty booked up. I think I'm booked through February and I have a couple dates in March, so we're not really adding too much right now. But if you want to share your story, we're always interested. If you have a story involving Bigfoot, in particular high strangeness in Bigfoot, I will fit you in. You cut the line, basically. Yeah, basically. You're a cutter. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you can contact us, strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. Tonight's episode is going to be a grab bag of stories. Zach telling a story of uh, Revolutionary War battlefield ghosts. That's nice. I like to, to hear about older ghosts, not just Victorian Civil War era ghosts. I yes. like to take it back. Or possibly a time slip. As I was telling Zach in the interview, it's very much like... I think it's, you mentioned it as being one of your favorite ghost stories from Gettysburg. Oh, it is my favorite. The where, one where they go in the elevator to the basement when they open it up there in a different time. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of similar to that. Chad is going to tell us a really cool story about an owl, which he related to me when we met a witness in Seven Valleys. Chad and I met and drove together to meet the witness, and then we were driving back to his car. And he tells me this owl story. As long as I've known him, he, he's never told me this story. It's this incredible <laughs> owl story. So we're going to hear Chad's owl story. And we're going to hear from Zoe, who was given a pack of letters from her family. And in this pack of letters was a letter from her great-grandmother, where she describes what she called the white monster, some kind of cryptid. Oh, that's like the best inheritance. <laughs> right? So cool. Before we get going, however, I'd like to announce that... Where the Footprints End, High Strangeness and the Bigfoot Phenomenon, Volume 2, Evidence, by Joshua Cutchin and Timothy Renner, that's me, is available now on Amazon. 
Some people have already gotten their copies. They've been putting photos up. And in you the just Strange have Williams one group. that says not for resale on it. Yeah, I have the proof, the single proof copy. If you want to get this from Amazon, that's fine with me. It doesn't hurt my feelings. The split on Amazon is pretty fair with authors. If you want to get it directly from us, however, we're doing a pre-order in our Etsy shop. I'll put a link in the show notes. There's also a post up at strangefamiliars.com. You can click on that, and it's got links to Etsy and to Amazon, etc. This kind of continues from Volume 1. It's, it's a little bit different. doesn't have as much folklore. It's more, I guess, experiential. Uh, you know, a lot of talking about what different witnesses have seen and so forth. I will read the table of contents so people know what's in it. It's got a preface by Josh. Chapter 1 is Mystery Lights by me. Chapter 2 is UFOs by me. Chapter 3 has to do with vocalizations by Josh. Chapter 4 is Altered States by Josh. It deals with altered states of consciousness and the Bigfoot phenomena. Don't think many people have written about that before. Chapter 5 is about stick signs and so forth, uh, glyphs and stuff. And the title of that chapter is Hex Signs, and that's by me. Chapter 6 has to do with toes, the number of toes on the creatures, and that's by Josh. Chapter 7 continues that with trackways by Josh. Chapter 8 is by me. It is disappearing evidence. It's one of my favorite chapters because it has to do with all the evidence in the Bigfoot phenomenon that just goes missing, which is an incredible amount. Chapter 9 is The Trickster by Josh. The trickster as it manifests in the Bigfoot phenomenon. Then there are two case studies. Chapter 10 is Case Study Out of This World by Josh, and Chapter 11 is Case Study Under the Owl Moon by me, and that has to do with our friend Tobe over at Strange Brow. You've heard me talk to him a few times on the show. This is uh, kind of the story writ down. It is, I believe, according to Amazon, 313 pages, something like that. It's about the same size as Volume 1. If you liked Volume 1, I think I can promise you'll like Volume 2. I don't know which volume I like better. There's there's two chapters in each one that I really like. I like my gifting chapter and the women in white chapter in volume one. And I like the hex signs chapter and the disappearing evidence chapters in volume two. So I can't decide which volume I like better. Once I get copies in hand, I will have a link where you can buy both of them together. If you get them from our Etsy shop, if you get them from Riverbend Comics, they will come signed by me. Unfortunately, Josh is in Georgia. I'm in Pennsylvania. Obviously, because of COVID, we're not getting together for conferences and so forth. So you'll have to find some way to get Josh's signature on it later if you want it signed by both of us. Again, that's Where the Footprints End, Volume 2. Get it on Amazon. Get it from us. Wherever you get it, I'm happy that you've gotten it. And I can't believe I squeaked that out before Christmas. Yeah, a few days. <laughs> when Josh was like, earlier in the summer, he's like, we can get this done. Do you think we can get this done by Christmas? I was like, yeah, I, I think so. I think so. And I didn't know he was going to then sort of publicly give that as the date. Like, he's, it's, it'll be out before Christmas. And every time you would say that, if we were doing an interview together, I'd kind of pull back and be like, well, we'll try. <laughs> if, all, if all goes well, well, it'll be out before Christmas. 
somehow it all came together. So, of course, I'm very, very happy about that. It's end of a journey. Not with me and Bigfoot. That continues. But uh, with Josh and I writing together in these Bigfoot books. I guess we'll start tonight's grab bag with Zach's story and what he experienced on the Revolutionary War battlefield. All right, tonight we're talking with Zach, who has a pretty cool experience that happened on a battlefield to tell us about. How are you doing tonight, Zach? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited to get this story down. It's from the email, it sounds pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, it's cool. It's 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 going back a, a few decades, but when I started thinking about it, it all came came flooding back a little bit. Well, go ahead and set it up and and walk us into the story. Sure. So I went to school in southern Vermont in 2000. It was Castleton State College. And there's a battlefield out there called Hubbardton Battlefields. And from what I was told and what I looked up, it was the, the furthest site northern of the American Revolutionary War. And what people would tell us that lived in the area was that the battlefield was haunted. And there was a house that sat on top of this hill. They used it like a lookout post. And from what I was told, there was a stone wall that they put up at the bottom of this field. And when the British forces were coming up, when they jumped the wall, they were pretty much ambushed. And it was, it was a pretty devastating battle for them. But we were always told that if you ran through the field and went around the wall or hopped over it, you might be able to hear things or smell things. And we always thought it was kind of a goof. And, you know, being 18, 19 years old, we didn't really think too much of it. So we drove out there one night with, oh man, it must have been like 20 plus people. <laughs> and we were all sitting around. It was a beautiful, clear night. We were just kind of hanging out and checking to see if we could hear anything in the house. Sometimes people would tell us you could hear footsteps or see a lantern swing and, and nothing happened for us. But, Two of the guys that I remember I, I played soccer with, we, we ran down the field just kind of on a whim, and we hopped the wall. I remember as soon as my feet hit that ground, I heard faint, like, cannon fodder, and then we heard, like, not screams, but almost like orders being thrown out. And you could smell like, what I guess would be gunpowder. And I remember looking at my buddy... Mike, and I'll never forget the look on his face. I mean, he was white as a ghost, eyes just as as big as they could get. And I remember we were all scrambling back over that wall as fast as possible. And <laughs> we got back up to the top of that hill, man. And I don't think anybody believed us for what we were talking about. But I remember being there and, and hearing those things and smelling those things. And it was very real. Wow. So this is, uh, my wife and I were just talking about this story from Gettysburg, you know, another battlefield where a guy was in a, in an old building, you know, it was a building that was there at the time of the battle. And, and during the battle, it was used as a field hospital. They had an elevator in this building in, in modern times. And he took the elevator down and he said, the doors opened and, and it just opened into this scene of this uh, civil war scene it was just like, 
you know, this, uh, this hospital, it's, you know, completely gruesome, you know, hospital scene where people were moaning and patients laying around everywhere. And, you know, and it's just like, he just steps out of this elevator into this, you know, into another time, I, I guess. And that's kind of what it reminded me of, like your story. Like you just hopped over this wall and suddenly it's another time, or at least you're getting echoes of another time. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that specifically because listening to the show, when you were talking about the, the civil war history and, and Gettysburg, especially that's what got the wheel spinning. Cause I honestly, I'd forgotten about it. I mean, that was, that was 20 years ago at this point, you know? And when I started thinking back on it, I was like, Oh, you know, that's, it's interesting. Cause the, the other thing that, that got me thinking was there's, I live in central New Jersey and my dad tells a story about when I was younger, there's a, a cemetery at the bottom of our road, which is in a pretty rural area. And he saw a, a civil war officer, somebody that was dressed well, um, just walking the cemetery one night when he took, he took a walk late at night. So that's, he and I were talking about that recently and it just kind of all kind of came together. So yeah, yeah, I gotta, I gotta wonder if maybe the same thing that happened to the, you know, the guy in the building, you know, when me and my my buddies jumped that wall, like I, I almost have to wonder if something was, I don't know, like I, I'd be curious to know the dates of the battle, which wasn't something that I had looked up because we went like early fall, so mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if it matches up, but I'd be curious, you know, if it it kind of links up timeline wise or if it was just a random thing. So w- when you heard the voices or whatever, could you make anything out or was it, was it you not able to do that? No, it was, it was kind of muffled. Like everything seemed like off in the distance. Um, we didn't, I didn't see anything. And, and when I asked everybody else, if they had saw something, they, they said that they didn't notice anything. But then again, the two guys I was with, they looked beyond freaked out that I don't know if they could remember their own names at that point. So, right. Right. But yeah, I mean, it was wild to to kind of experience that. Yeah, yeah. And when you cross back over the wall, everything stopped as, as soon as you cross yeah, back nothing. over. Yeah. Oh wow! So it's almost like a like a point of demarcation in a sense. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's really really interesting. And you know, three nineteen year old dudes. You know, <laughs> I can think back to when I was nineteen. Nobody wants to be the guy that's afraid. You know. <laughs> Right? No, we were fine with it. We were totally okay with it. We owned <laughs> it. We just kind of leaned into it. We came running back up. And I think I remember some people being like, oh, you want to hang around? I'm like, nope, we're going. Let's go. I <laughs> don't enough. know if something is following me or if something grabbed onto my, you know, my sweatshirt. We're out. Let's do it. Oh, that's a cool story, though. Yeah, it was a, it was a cool night, you know. I kind of wish more people had had maybe hopped it and, you know, heard something, which would have been kind of neat to to reminisce on later. Right, right. Well, at least, are you still in contact with those other guys, or? No, actually, I don't. I honestly, I, I can't even remember their names at this point. Mm-hmm. So, there's a couple of people that I I stay in touch with, but not those people that I can remember. Right. Which right. would have been cool to think about. I wonder if, I wonder if we'd talk to this day if they even remember it, or, um, you know, if it was something that you know maybe they just blocked out. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I often wonder if the percentage of Revolutionary War ghosts, you know, this is so I, I know far more Americans died in the Civil War. So if we're talking about the spirits of dead people, if that's what 
is really happening and, and that may or may not be the case but let's say it is if we're talking about that that there's going to be far, there you know just mathematically there's going to be far more uh, civil war ghosts but i wonder sure. if the, the percentage of revolutionary war ghosts is this is the same or similar to that you know uh because you don't hear as many we get some around here with valley forge we get some some yeah. revolutionary war stories and uh okay brandywine there's there's some uh, revolutionary war ghost stories but by far you know most everything and, and maybe it's just because my proximity to gettysburg but by far most everything i hear is like civil war stuff yeah yeah and and like you're saying too i mean you know everybody was from here for the most part so it makes a lot more sense that you know it would kind of fall that way so yeah yeah like yeah. i don't know like do ghosts go home you know or they stuck <laughs> in the terrestrial spot where they where they die or do they you know they get to go back to their their homeland i don't i don't know how it works yeah i don't think there's many rules for it we were talking about uh re- in the recent episode about mark twain's ghost and he appears in about three different residences you know that that mark twain once lived in so i don't think okay. there's any, any hard uh rules for that yeah i guess not you know i mean and and who's to say if like so it's almost like you know was that was that even ghosts or was that some kind of like time slip kind of thing that you experienced yeah you know that's something that i thought about probably years ago when i started being more interested in paranormal type subjects and yeah you i mean you got to wonder it's kind of, there's something kind of cool about it that you'll never really know and then equal parts frustrating that you won't know right yeah i like the idea that yeah maybe we i don't know maybe the veil was thin there that night and we just kind of slipped through and this is where we ended up so mm-hmm. yeah very very cool story uh, intense enough to send you right back over the wall. So even, yeah. oh, even yeah. though you didn't see anything. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm actually kind of interested to go back there and see whether or not it's something that you could recreate, you know, and, and just kind of, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be kind of interesting. I mean, it's not that far. Definitely. Yeah. A, it's a doable trip. Well, uh, have you at any time in your life experienced sleep paralysis? You know, I actually, strangely enough, I think I did not that long ago. And it was the first time. Interesting. It was, it was probably, I want to say it was probably like two weeks ago. Oh, so yeah. very recently. Yeah. Like I was, I got home late and I, I ended up falling asleep on the couch and I woke up, I don't know, maybe like two, three in the morning. And, you know, we live in a, a, relatively populated suburban neighborhood and there's not a lot of weird noises or anything, but I just remember being kind of frozen in place and just that very distinct feeling of being watched. Mm -hmm. So that was very unnerving because it's, I mean, we've lived there almost eight years at this point and I've never experienced anything like that in the house. So that was, that was curious. Yeah, yeah, and it's also it's a little bit unusual. Now I've had it. I'm I'm I just turned fifty, and I had it last year a little bit. It wasn't. Uh, okay. I I was able to kind of shake myself out of it, but it, it's a little you know more unusual for people to have it once they get in like past their their thirties or so. Okay. So. Yeah, I'd be curious. Yeah, I've never. I mean, nothing. Nothing when I was younger. Um, my my buddy 
he had a cabin in upstate New York and it was, the property was haunted. And I don't remember the full story exactly, but I remember him kind of linking up with people and letting them come on the property and, and do some, some investigations, some readings, things like that. And I remember we would go up there every winter and we'd go for a, a snowboarding trip. And I remember sleeping downstairs. It was only a two room place. And I remember every night that we were there, that same feeling of just being like intensely watched. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, nothing ever happened. There wasn't ever any like distinct activity that, you know, that I could note, but yeah, it was just that very, like every hair on your body is, is standing straight on end. Right. Yeah. Very, very cool. Very interesting. Well, Zach, thank you so much for sharing your stories. Hey, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for, thanks for having me. If you like what we do on Strange Familiars and you'd like to help us continue to make the show, you can become a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Our patrons get extra shows. We do at least one full episode of Strange Familiars every month for our patrons. This month it's going to be an on-site episode that Chad and I recorded back in August. Screams in Seven Valleys. And we try to give other content to our patrons and discounts on things and so forth whenever we can. Again, that's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Check it out. If you don't like the idea of a subscription like Patreon, you can make a one-time donation via PayPal. Go to the show notes under any episode at strangefamiliars.com. Look for the paypal.me link. You can click on that and leave a donation. Everyone can help by sharing the show on social media, liking and subscribing wherever you're listening, and leaving us those nice five-star reviews which helps get the show in front of new potential listeners. All right, so next up, we'll play Chad's Mysterious Owl story, which, again, it's a really, really cool story, and I can't believe I'd known Chad for that long and he hadn't told me this owl story. All right, so as long as we've been hanging out, Chad, I've never heard your weird owl story. <laughs> yeah. That's... O-W-L, not Weird Al, the singer. <laughs> Even though I do like Weird Al. I, the, with A-L. Hard not to like Weird Al. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, very he's funny, hilarious. Very funny, very talented guy. No, you, this, this Al story you have, I'd never heard it. And you told me we were driving the car, it was too loud to record. So before I let you go tonight, I have to get you to tell this Al story for us. So I was in high school. I think I was a senior. And... um. Me and my cousin were uh, driving home, I think, from a concert or something like that. And uh, that's not ghost music you hear in the background. It's a guy <laughs> driving, but we're in Seven Valley still. And um, we're riding home, and I had this old uh, beat-up Cavalier. And of course, this was the one that had the radio turn on. So. Oh, from the, yeah. Yeah, from Gettysburg. So we're we're we're, dri- I'm, we're driving. We're heading back. He lived with me at the time, and we were heading back to our where we lived in uh, Spring Grove in town. And there's a road called uh, Spangler Road, and it's like it's not in town, but it's outside of town. 
and it's like on a ridge, like on the other side of the ridge is 116 where there's a bunch of cars and traffic. So mm-hmm. it's kind of weird. You go over the ridge and all of a sudden you're like in farmland, which is typical for this area. That, yeah, that's very typical York yeah. County. That's typical awesome. York County. Yeah. So we're, it weaves around, so it's really um, really windy, and it goes over, goes over um, some railroad tracks and stuff. And then there's an tro- old trolley trail that runs along there, and the trolley used to run between York and, and Hanover. And um, so we're driving, and honestly, I can't remember what we were talking about. It was just something random. No big deal, you know. And he says something. He asked me something. I can't remember what it was he says. And I go, oh, my God, this happened before. Something's going to happen. He goes, what are you talking about? I said, this has happened before. He goes, what do you mean? I said, he goes, what do you mean this happened before? I said, I said, you dreamed about this or, you know, I just had this crazy feeling of deja vu. Like, you know, we were there before and we knew it was going to happen. He's like, well, what's going to happen? Because he started panicking because I was like, I literally was like a little scared. And he's like, he's like, well, what do you mean? I said, you said that to me before. I said, something, something crazy is going to happen. Something bad is going to happen. You know, he's like, when's it going to happen? And I'm still driving. I didn't stop. And. He just goes, he goes, well, when's it going to happen? And then, so we're, we're on a straightaway of the road. It's straight. And there's fields on either side of us. And he goes, well, what's going to happen? And I said, oh, my God, it's going to happen right about now. And I hit the brake on my car, and I stopped. And just as I stopped, this big owl flew over the windshield. <laughs> it was a big white owl. And I knew it was an owl. I mean, I could see it was an owl. And it was, and what impressed me was the size of it. So the wingspan was the width of of my uh, windshield of the car. So I, I don't know. What is that? Four feet? Something yeah, like that? Yeah. 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 And it wasn't dark. It was white. And I remember seeing the eyes of the owl. Huh. And you know. And you said you think it was big. I mean, that would be a. Gigantic barn owl, but you're you're saying you're pretty sure it wasn't a barn owl. I'm pretty sure it wasn't a barn owl because I've seen barn owls, and to me, I was just like, you know, back then rationalizing everything. I was like, oh my god, we just saw a snowy owl. That was so cool. That's so rare. Even though they do come in York County. Yeah, we. I I was telling you a story I found where Haynes, the shoe man, had had one one time in the paper. He was holding one. He's got a connection to Toad Road because he owned the Haynes Lodge, which was at the south end of Toad Road there. It became Dr. Belknap's house. But uh, interesting uh, connection there. But So, yeah, they, they do come yeah. here. Uh, it's, it's rare, but they do come uh, to York County occasionally. But still, such a cool story. Yeah, right? it, it was just crazy. I just knew it was an I mean, I could see the head and the body and sure. the wings. And, and it was, you know, lit up in the headlights mm-hmm. of the car because I... I, as soon as I hit the brake, it, it came up over the, literally over, over the uh, hood of the car, and up over the windshield. So it wasn't like it came. It wasn't like it came straight at us. It like literally, well, it came. It like came like this. That's amazing. It swooped up over the windshield, like amazing. it, like at the level of the of the um, hood, and then up over the windshield. Wow. It was so close. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, I could see his eyes. You know, they were, of course, they were glowing because, you know, the light of the yeah. headlights was doing it. He, yeah. he didn't have glowing eyes. Right, right. I, I shine, not eye glow. Yeah. And it was white. I just remember seeing it white. Now, could it have been, like, a gray or something and the headlights washed it out? 
Maybe. Right. I don't know. But I don't remember seeing horns. So it wasn't a great horned owl. Mm-hmm. And it just was huge. I mean, it was massive. I, I just remember, I remember the wingtips were wider than the windshield. I remember seeing the, the, the head, the round head, and the eyes, and the, and the dark beak. That's such a cool story. Like and these, again, these, these stories with owls that, you know, you could easily write off as like, okay, so you saw an owl, big deal. But then you combine it with this previous feeling you have like of deja vu and something's going to happen, something's going to happen, something's going to happen, and then it's an owl. Yeah. That's such a cool story. I mean, it, I love it, it. it was just crazy how he, you know, we were just random talking. I, I don't remember what exactly we were talking about. I can always call him and find out. He might remember, but he he said something to me, and I just I was like I I was scared because I knew something was going to happen. I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the other like so the woman that was getting deja vu and predictive stuff after her flannel man encounters that was on the show. She said it was often the same kind of thing for her, where she would suddenly like, oh my gosh, I dreamed this, or I knew you know like this has happened before. But she wouldn't always know what would come next. Right. She, she would know and, something was coming, but she wouldn't always know. And what that's would the come exact next. feeling. And, and I was, you know, being a, a kid, I was terrified. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh my god, something's going to happen, and I knew it. I knew it in wow. my heart. And he's just like, he's freaking because I'm freaking. Right. And I'm like, and he's like, when's it, when, what, and when is it going to happen? And I said, now. And then I hit the brake on the car, and then bam, there's the owl. Oh, it's such a great story. You know, what? It's a cool story. If I went and hit the brake, would the would the owl not been there, or would we something worse would have happened? Who knows? Yeah, but, who knows? Who knows? And it wasn't like another car was coming, and we were on a straightaway. There was no trees around. It just was crazy. You know, it was just two fields on either side of us. And That's amazing. That's such a great story. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Thank you, Chad. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, next we're going to talk with Zoe, who has the letter from her great-grandmother describing this white monster. What an amazing thing. What a cool story. After we hear Zoe, we'll come back and we'll read some articles we found that kind of relate to the story. I'd like to welcome back Zoe to the show. She was on episode 146, telling about some of her experiences, but... She's back to tell us an experience of her grandmother's. How are you doing tonight, Zoe? I'm fine, Tim. How are you? Very well. And I'm excited to get this story. So how did you come upon this letter from your grandmother? Well, it's kind of odd. We received the letter back in probably the 2000s from my cousin. She's my dad's cousin, so I suppose that's second cousin. And she's, the woman who wrote it's actually my great-grandmother. Okay. And she had written all of these letters to her sister, who is my my father's cousin's mother. And I had never read them. She was, I never met this great-grandmother. I knew one, but I had never met this one. And she, when she was in living in Ohio, which is where the letters come from, she was in a, a really bad car accident that... She left her paraplegic eventually. And the nurse that attended to her was my grandmother. And that's how my grandmother met my grandfather. So, yeah. And that's the neat, cute version of the story. (laughs) But the, this letter itself, um, it came about kind of odd. It, It was an odd situation because I was receiving around 
Halloween and October, a lot of kind of weird signals, not like, well, when we last talked, I talked, we, we were talking about how I, I've been in and around the paranormal quite a bit, just from strange things that I've seen and strange things that have happened to me. And I, after that, our conversation and listening to many other people on Strange Familiars and other podcasts, I kind of said, all right, well, let's try this out. Like, give me a sign if this is something, a path I should pursue. And right after I did that, I was sitting in my I was sitting with my friend at work and I kept seeing behind the desk, like where I, where I was working had a dressing room and stairs from across from it. And we were in, this was shortly before the holidays. So this would have been a year ago. And I kept seeing someone walking. It looked like somebody was walking back and forth between the stairs and the dressing room. Mm-hmm. And I, it kept catching my eye and my coworker wasn't looking over. So I just kind of forgot about it. And then an hour later we received a call that the former owner of the store who was pretty well known at the time he had died earlier that day and he had like founded that store and worked there for 40, 50, 60 years. Wow. Yeah. So that was kind of my, my, my sign of, okay, I'm going to, uh, let myself be more open to the sort of thing now. Is this the same story? Did you have a story about that that we talked about before, the same store? Yeah, it may have been. There were some a few odd things that happened there, but that was kind of my my first trigger into being more accepting of this sort of thing. Right, sure, yeah. Yeah, and not trying to block it out as much. But um, So back to the letter, that was kind of a long-winded way of getting to this. Um, so... Like my my father's side of the family, do you have? Well, I'm sure everyone can pretty much identify with like just one one kind of group of the family. Like it's just one thing after another. It's always chaos, no matter <laughs> no matter what happens. Something stops happening with somebody else, and then yeah, somebody takes the place of that. Yeah, yeah. So that's my that's my dad's side. So I've I've been working on kind of my own stuff because of like you said, COVID and just everything being so insane that I, I've kind of just been like not trying to think about it too much, mm-hmm. but I've been getting all these weird kind of tip offs. Like I kept feeling like I should read these letters because my grandfather who has since passed away, my dad sent me an email that he had sent to him a few years ago that was his account of an experience when he was a young man and the way that he wrote it was so descriptive. Like, I felt like I was read- I was in the story. And I never knew that about him. And that came also from my great-grandmother, who encouraged his writing. And she herself was a great writer. And because I've been getting more into my own writing career, I'd been thinking about that a lot. Because really nobody else in the family does it as much. Mm-hmm. So I had been kind of... I hadn't read the letters when we first received them because I was younger and I knew many of them would be very sad. One of them is the account of her accident. And oh. yeah, it's it's most of it's pretty, as you would expect, it's pretty dark, but also uh, it's, not. It's, I, I mean, this is maybe, I don't know if this is uh, not a nice question to ask, but was she dictating these letters to someone? No, and that's really the one of the extraordinary things about her is that she she was 
pretty like she came to be paraplegic so she kind of like shut down Mm -hmm. but before that happened she was a little bit she could move some of her limbs okay she couldn't couldn't move her hands though so she found a way to wedge her pen well you saw the letters they it looks like a fountain pen Mm -hmm. and she was able to teach herself to write again wow just yeah so that was that's pretty amazing, and her handwriting is really not all that bad, <laughs> considering. Yeah, no, yeah, but like, yeah, I like I didn't know that detail. You you showed me, uh, you know, photos or scans of, of the letters. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's kind of amazing. It is, and so that I was thinking about that, and I didn't know where the letters were. My dad had them somewhere, and so it was just always kind of in the back of my mind as Halloween was getting closer. And many of my witchy friends, they were posting thing on, things on Instagram like, this is the time you should get in touch with your ancestors who have passed. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Because <laughs> I just, you know, there's just so much going on and the election was coming up. It was like, I can't. This is not a connection that needs to be made right now. I can't. Not opening myself up to that, but it just kept coming. And then the letters, we were all sitting down um, for coffee one morning and my dad said, oh, I just found these. Like, I didn't know where they were, but here they are again, the letters. And I hadn't mentioned this at all. So they resurfaced, and I didn't read them yet. I was just kind of, because I was still kind of like, I don't know if I can, (laughs) if I have the capacity for this. But then I just kept getting all these signals, like, about my my father's side of the family, and especially that side of the family, because my, my grandfather, I mentioned, he was kind of the self-proclaimed black sheep. I mean, he grew up on the other side of the country. I wasn't very close with him. Or, I'm sorry, he moved to the other side of the country before I was born. So we weren't terribly close. We visited a couple of times, but he also estranged himself from, like, that whole branch of his family. So Mm -hmm. we, aside from the cousins I mentioned, we don't really know them or talk to them all that much. And there was that disconnect but then a couple of days before Halloween, I myself got into a, a car accident and I was thankfully fine. My car was not, but it was one of those situations where like in any other situation, I w- it would have been really damaging, but mm-hmm. I walked away without a scratch mostly. Well, so, good that you're okay. Not, not good that your car is not, but. Yeah, I really, my, my dear car, I was sad, <laughs> sad to see it go, but um. So in conjunction with that, with, with her, her having been in her accident, I just thought, okay, well, maybe it's time I read these. So I waited until Halloween night. It was also full moon Halloween night, so that was about a month ago. And the fir- one of the first letters I took out was this, the one I sent to you, the white monster. And I was just like, what is this? <laughs> because I, here I was expecting, she wrote poetry as well. and. I, Again, a lot of it is sad, but it's also very, like, she's trying to find meaning in what happened to her. Mm-hmm. So this this one cryptid report is very strange. And, like, I no one really who's, um, and I was mistaken. I told you that the uh, her son that's mentioned in this, Philip, he, I was mistaken. He's uh, no longer with us. But, um, yeah, it, it's, there's no one really I can ask about this. <laughs> so uh, the context is not there. Right. But it's, uh, it was a fun little treasure. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I love these family histories that get passed down. I think we've had one other one on where somebody had, like, a note from their, uh, 
you know, grandfather or something that, that told a story, a similar story, not similar to, but a, you know, something about a cryptid or something. But, uh, I absolutely love this because to me, there's, there's no reason to lie to your family. You know, there's no reason that like, they're just putting down, like, this is what I saw while they're, you know, in a series of letters, apparently describing her life, you know, mm-hmm. and this is an event that stood out. Certainly. And I mean, they were, from what I could kind of gather was that they were in a larger town. So even where they lived, there were farms around, but for Ohio, it was a larger town. So to have her write this specifically to her sister, who I believe lived on Long Island at the time, it was big news. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, you read the events. Do you know what town or, you know, roughly where in Ohio they were? Yes. um, The... I put it in brackets. I think where she was writing from was Batavia, Ohio, which was close to Amelia. Okay. And this, this would have been in the mid-1950s. Okay. Mm-hmm. I put circa 1955 just due to the other letters in the packet. Mm-hmm. She was writing this in 1955 or this occurred? Uh, she was writing this in 1955 and okay. it was uh, concurrent with events. So she was writing it as it, uh, probably right after it happened. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and it was funny, too, because it, I didn't put it on the, um, the transcription, but you saw on the scan, the title is The White Monster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, this is amazing. So um, you'll read the letter for us. Sure, I can do that right now. Awesome. It was early October in Batavia, Ohio. The air was warm and balmy. A big full moon helped to make a perfect autumn night. Steve and Philip, her son, liked to ride their bikes along the country roads. There was little or no traffic. They would ride until they were tired, then just sit, rest, and talk. It was on one of these nights, as they were parked near a big walnut tree that it first happened, suddenly there before them in a roadside ditch. Fiery red eyes watching them, and so close. In the moonlight, they could see its long, shaggy hair. It was all white, with a short, stubby nose. With a low growl, it leaped across the road, and as swift as lightning, headed for the woods and hills nearby. Then the boys realized they hadn't moved an inch. They were so scared they felt as if their hair was standing on end. It was hard to believe what they had just seen. Would anyone believe them? Somehow they would just have to convince someone of the strange monster's existence before it killed something or someone. For some time, they stayed off to the road at night. The beautiful autumn's weather was gradually getting cooler. Soon the country road would be covered with ice and snow. One night, the boys decided to go for a ride but this time they rode along with eyes and ears alert. Paddling along there in the moonlight they talked, no one had believed it was anything but a dog. 
The country was quite thickly populated, but the boys knew of wooded deserted areas where a wild animal could hide. They also knew what they had seen was not a dog. It looked, acted, and sounded more like some kind of huge cat. It stood about three or four feet tall and leaped instead of walking. As they coasted along quietly, they heard a noise like claws scratching on rocks. They stopped and there was on a ledge above them, snarling in a low, bone-shattering way, its glaring red eyes washing them. Then, just as suddenly as before, it made a big leap and was gone with a low, terrifying scream like a woman in pain. The boys rode as fast as they could to a nearby farmhouse. Here they learned four dogs had been killed mysteriously. In each case, the dog had been put on a leash for the night, and each of them had died from a slashed throat. The white monster had attacked the helpless dogs and killed them just for the sake of killing. What kind of creature could this be? When and where would he strike next? Maybe next time its victim would be somebody, or the farmer's baby calf, or even Philip's little dog that he loved so much. The boys called the sheriff from a nearby town. He immediately rushed to the scene with guns and a flashlight. Thoroughly, they searched the area where the boys had last seen the strange creature, but all they could find were huge footprints leading in the direction of the woods. Well, now at least the boys had been able to convince someone of the white monster's existence, and plans were being made for a searching party to seek him out. Do you think it could have been a mountain lion? Your guess is as good as theirs. Maybe long before they won't have to guess anymore or be afraid when they go bike riding in the moonlight. Wow. So cool. Yeah. To me, the glowing eyes are just, it's, it's too much. That That's something that, you know, usually animals don't have glowing eyes. Now it could have been eyeshine, you know, maybe, but uh, mm-hmm. the size of it too, that would be a big cat. Big cat with a stubby nose and that would intentionally like scrape its claws on rocks. Right, right. It's just, there's an intimidation factor there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And a big white cat at that. They, they said it was white. Mm-hmm. So, and they said it was, uh, it says shaggy white hair. Yeah, which... yeah, it doesn't seem like mountain lions have that nice, you know, tight coat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Wow. Yeah, that, I did think of a bobcat or something when um, I read Woman Crying Out in Pain. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that could be, a lot of animals make that noise. Yeah, yeah. No, it's such an interesting story. I, I'm going to have to dig into the newspapers and see if I can find anything from around there, around that time. Mm. We'll see. Uh, but no, that's that's so neat. So that was the, did you say that was the, the first letter from the bundle you read? That was probably the second. There the was second. another that she had um, somehow typed out, but I think she just switched to writing because it was easier. Well, it's, it's amazing that, first of all, that these letters were saved. Mm-hmm that she wrote all this down is is just wonderful it's it's just really really wonderful i love the whole story oh good i'm glad (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for sharing it with us of course have a good night tim you as well i wish that i could find a letter from my great-grandmother describing a monster that somebody (laughs) saw (laughs) what a cool inheritance i mean it's amazing so I started looking for white monster stories in the paper. This is from 1973, but it talks about something that happened 50 years before. They're calling it the Star Monster, S-T-A-R-R, which is a place in Ohio. Star Monster frightened Hocking Town 50 years ago. No one knew what it looked like, but it was there. 
This comes from The Messenger, Athens, Ohio. It's from Sunday, February 11th, 1973. No one knew what it looked like, but folks around Star were certain of one thing. They didn't want to tangle with the monster that was roving the hills at night. That was 50 years ago, and fear gripped the village in southern Hocking County. Only one couple had come close to seeing this nocturnal marauder, and they hadn't stopped long enough to get a good look. A report of the mysterious animal appeared in The Messenger in the Logan News column written by the late Clinton Webb. He spoke of Starr experiencing a period of great excitement and fear because some manner of animal that is creating havoc among the poultry flocks attacked sheep and in one instance killed a dog. As the nightly raids continued, tales of the roving monster grew, fueled by the fact that no one had seen it, at least not very close. Mr. and Mrs. Edward Bay reported they were pursued by the animal as they were walking home at night. The Bays were more interested in their safety than in settling the mystery of what kind of animal was loose. As Webb wrote, they hastened to free themselves from its unwelcome presence. About all they proved was that it wasn't human. Each day, a new report was received of a chicken house being raided or sheep killed. Speculation grew. It was winter and there was time to loaf a bit at the general store and post office. Folks exchanged stories and the human instinct to try to tell a better story than the other guy no doubt added to the fire until visions of the monster grew daily and its misdeeds became the chief topic of conversation. Could it be a bear, a wolf, or a wildcat, or maybe some unusual thing that had lurked for years in the rugged hills around Star, and for some reason was now coming closer to civilization for its food? As the tales grew, so did the fears until it reached a point that fathers took guns and accompanied their children to and from school, although there were no instances either of children being attacked or the beast appearing in the daytime. The men of the village finally decided to eliminate the threat to their families. They formed a posse, all men well-armed, and took to the woods. Throughout that night they searched. The next morning, tired and cold, they returned to Star, and the monster, whatever and wherever he was, was still free to roam. Eventually the animal ceased its raids. Maybe it died, or found enough food farther back in the hills. In any event, the Monster of Star became a part of Hocking County legend, along with the White Monster of Mount Pleasant. The White Monster of Mount Pleasant, oh, that was another nighttime raider that upset the little village of Mount Pleasant that straddles the Hocking Vinton line. Those who caught a glimpse of it said it was white, but when they tried to get close to it, if anyone really did, it always faded into the night. It too eventually faded away for good, unless the offspring of these two phantoms are biding their time in the deep ravines and high cliff country waiting for their 50-year visit. It's very interesting, though. The posses always form in these articles. They always form, well, not always, but often you'll read in these monster articles. The town has formed a posse. They're going out after this creature. They never catch anything. The most interesting one... They're always weighed down by pitchforks. (laughs) The most interesting one was, um, I think it was around Waynesboro. It's in my Bigfoot in Pennsylvania book. We're basically literally are chasing this creature all night long and they actually run it up onto a a hill and they completely surround this hill and kind of march up you know close the circle in on it and nothing's there meanwhile the creature whatever it was is back in town scaring the women and there's no men in town to to protect them i think that's something that people learned from the movies from the days of frankenstein to little house on the prairie like the idea of getting up a posse to go after something, I think, is is a cultural phenomenon that's born out of entertainment or the... Well, I mean, these stories are from, you know, they start in the 1800s with these people getting a posse together to go after these creatures. So, I mean, 
life imitating art or vice versa. So I did search and found the original article about this star monster. In the previous article we read, it makes it seem like there was a bunch of articles, like a whole series of articles. Mm -hmm. Well, I looked all through the papers before and after this article. I didn't find anything. So I don't know if uh, the guy had more information than I do, or maybe I just couldn't find the articles he was talking about. But this is the, the original article. This is from the Athens Messenger, Athens, Ohio, January 29th, 1923. Pretty much the same information in the other one, but we'll go ahead and read the original article. Strange visitor appears. A little village of Star in this county is experiencing a period of great excitement and fear, according to reports reaching this city, and it all come about by the reported appearance of some manner of wild animal that is creating havoc among poultry flocks, and which has also attacked sheep and in one instance is said to have made a dog its particular prey. This strange visitor, whatever it may be, first made its appearance in the vicinity last week, and since that time its depredations have been numerous. It is claimed that Mr. and Mrs. Edward Bay, on their return home one evening last week, were pursued by the marauder, and that they hastened to free themselves from its unwelcome presence. Children on their way to and from school are being escorted by their elders who go armed with guns. So far, no one has been able to give a good description of the animal, as it seems to be abroad only at night. Little is known as to its size or breed, but its presence is vouched for by some of the most substantial citizens of the community. A posse of 20 armed men was formed Friday evening for the purpose of driving the animal to its lair where they had hoped to destroy it, but their efforts are reported to have been met with no success. And just for fun, we'll throw another white monster in. This is from 1972. This is from the Hamilton Journal News, Hamilton, Ohio. Furry white Ohio monster takes to window peeping. Ohio's furry white monster is peeking into windows now. Mr. and Mrs. Larry DeLauder of the Ironton area say that they saw the creature looking through their window Friday night. Police didn't find any tracks in the area. The unidentified walking object was sighted near Ironton last Monday when a cab driver said it shook the front end of his car, peering at him through its protruding eyes, and then slunk off, dragging a dead animal of some sort from its bloody arms. Police say they found some phony white fur in the area, and they warn that someday the prank is going to end in a fatal shooting when the monster frightens somebody who has a gun. That is also the cautionary tale we should use now that people are, you know, when they're trying to scare somebody else or try to convince somebody Bigfoot is in the woods, the odds of them getting shot are oh, probably really yeah. high. That's yeah. what I always think, like, oh, don't mess around at all because people have guns everywhere. Yeah, there was a story not too long ago about a guy getting shot because some other guy was out looking for Bigfoot and thought, thought he was a Bigfoot. I don't even think he was in a Bigfoot costume. He was just in the woods. And somebody assumed he was Bigfoot and shot him. There's another story about a guy who was wearing a Bigfoot suit. This goes back a few years, maybe a decade, trying to scare people along the side of the road. Mm -hmm. And he ended up getting hit by a car. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would recommend no one do that. As far as this, I don't know. I don't know if this was, like... So window peeking is definitely a thing that, that is associated with Bigfoot. Mm -mm. But if you're going to put on a, a furry suit, you're going to go the extra mile of carrying a dead animal around and having your, you know what I mean? Like that seems extra, <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, wouldn't the suit be enough? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm thinking most people, it's, it's like the thing with uh, Patty having breasts. It's kind of like, 
It would be just so easy to not have. Yeah, it's just such an odd detail. But, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe it was used for some other context before the movie. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a rough year. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. That was, oh, that was bad. Yeah, especially because You've been I, trapped inside with me way too long. I know, it's, it's just dad jokes for this. Oh my the, goodness. That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> I surprised you with it. That's you the did. That I, I caught know. you off guard. You were ready to, I was ready to, to, to talk to... about it's how it's a relationship-based approach to helping you and your puppy become perfect for each other. That's and 90 it, Days to the Perfect Puppy. That's what they are. They have online sources, video lessons, a secret Facebook group, and more. You can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. They can help you understand how your dog thinks and apply proactive training methods so you and your puppy can become perfect for each other. 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy. Again, it's at sithappens.us. If you get those Christmas puppies under the tree, 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you with training and making sure you and your puppy become the perfect team. If your puppy has already eaten through the gifts, <laughs> has a problem with potty training near the tree. <laughs> yes. Is maybe chewing on Christmas ornaments or that new pair of slippers you got as a Christmas present. Intimidating Santa. Maybe he's a little hyper. He's torn all the tinsel off. Whatever you need help with, 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you. Again, you can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. So you like this idea of, of Zoe getting this weird letter so much that you said, hey, let's, let's do a whole show on, on weird letters. And because of the holidays and because of the book coming out and 50 other things, didn't have time to put together a whole show but you did find two of these articles of these kind of weird letters the first one is from the cumberland evening times from cumberland maryland june 19th 1908 death form of transition from world to world a letter from a spirit causes sister to commit suicide friends endeavored to dissuade her and her infatuation for seances washington june 19th Messages from the spirit world caused Mrs. Alita Pittman to end her life in the city yesterday. She swallowed carbolic acid, believing that death was a mere form of transition from one world to another, and she would be with lost friends after. Mrs. Pittman lived with her sister, Mrs. Gamble, at 1336 Pennsylvania Avenue Southeast. Mr. and Mrs. Gamble do not believe in spirits, and they tried to dissuade Mrs. Pittman from her infatuation with seances and visiting spirit mediums. Mrs. Pittman was found dead in the cellar of the Gamble home. A slate was nearby which purported to contain spirit writings, the last messages she received before departing for the spirit world. There were two of them, the first signed Sophia Pittman and the other Eddie Gamble. They read as follows. Mercy me, what marvelous things we people are putting the bridle on. Here I am, back from the spirit realm, into the world I once lived and died in. I can hardly realize it. How under the sun came you here today? I was afraid you had forgotten me entirely. I shall try to appear to you some night soon, but don't fear. You had better live with your ma. Fred is with me. We often see your mother. 
A little note is all about all I can manage to get on one slate. I have often heard of this, but did not know much about it. If anyone ever speaks of when I died, please correct them and say that I never died at all. I'm living and as well as I ever was. Tell Mama to come here. I want to write to her. Pointing to that last part of the message, which reads, Tell Mama to come here, Mr. Gamble remarked that as an inducement to get his wife to visit the medium, Eddie Gamble, he said, was his dead boy. Mrs. Pittman had sought in vain to induce his wife, her sister, to join in her investigations of spiritualism. That's creepy. Yeah, I actually um, did not look up to see if these people actually existed or if this is one of those sort of like cautionary tales to not get involved in spiritualism. Look what bad things happen when you start talking on the slates. Well, we can look it up and yeah, I'll get back the, to you. I'll do a postscript on the. If we ever do the full letter show, we can we can do a, a deeper dive into that. This is from the Morning Journal, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, February fifteenth, nineteen eleven. I know where that is. What Lancaster? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I should hope so. Letter from a ghost. He protests against a wrong unwittingly done to the Hessians. Respected and honored sirs, by the newly discovered art of hypnotism, as applied to the control of one person by the will of another, I have contrived, though a long time dead, to influence a descendant of mine. And, by the way, he has descended to a pretty low level, for he has hitherto been a supporter of what you call the regular Republican machine. I have contrived to influence this unworthy descendant of a revolutionary soldier to write to you this epistle in dignified protest from the dead against the continued abuse of our one-time enemies, the Hessians, which I find in your columns in a letter from one who signs himself a descendant of a revolutionary soldier. The person who sold himself to the local political tyrant of your day is very much worse than the Hessians of our revolutionary day. They did not sell themselves, but were sold by their prince, Forced into military service at an early age, few of them knew how or why. They were being sent abroad, and they knew nothing of the right or wrong of our war. Many of them could neither read nor write. Most of them simply did what seemed to be their duty like brave men. Many who fell into our hands became good citizens. It is an outrage that it should be the fashion to perpetuate their very nationality as a name of infamy by applying the term Hessian to one who deliberately sells himself to an unworthy cause. Such a person would seem to me to be a very small sort of Benedict Arnold, your obedient and humble servant, the ghost of a revolutionary soldier. Now, I'm not sure about that one. <laughs> I'm not sure I believe that was really a letter. I, no, think, I think maybe that. that guy wrote to the paper. He was just mad about... That was from 1911. We'll see how he feels in like another six years. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're doing a grad bag episode, I did have a weird dream with sleep paralysis. I was going to do this on the patron episode, but we have a little extra time here, so I'm going to throw it in here. Unfortunately, I think my last episode was about a year ago, and I think I told that on a patron show. So if you're not a patron, you probably didn't hear that story. This is far different. That one involved greys that were dressed in some kind of weird ritual gear with feathers and breastplates and stuff, but it was it all looked like uh, fluorescent, like they were dressed as 1988 glam rock Native Americans. Wow. 
Yeah, they were, they were, it was really like bizarre. Like like Doctor and the Medics or something. Did they have fluorescent <laughs> feathers and and? No, I was <laughs> just trying. But this one was different, and it involves a tornado, which is windstorms are definitely a thing in UFO and fairy encounters. I would also like to say that um, tornadoes are also in people who are terribly anxious <laughs> in their dreams in their as well. Dreams. Just speaking from personal experience. I don't know if this ties to my dream about August de Falmouth. Mm-hmm. Is he back? Because it happened in our town. So did this dream. Very close to where the, the August de Falmouth dream happens. I don't know if they're related. In any case, I was walking down the street. And it was a very, like, the color was very washed out. It looked very much like that weird thunderstorm kind of gray-green kind of color. And uh, very quickly, this storm blew up. And I guess it was a tornado or maybe just a heavy windstorm. In any case, it lifted me off my feet and started basically pushing me down the street in the air. My first thought was, this is going to really hurt when I land. This is not going to be good. My second thought in succession was, I guess I'm going to Oz. <laughs> That's, that was your thought? Yeah. <laughs> but then I got this uh, very kind of pleasant feeling that started washing over my body. Now I'm paralyzed at this point. So as the wind is pushing me, my body's completely locked up and just arms at my sides, legs locked up. I'm not flailing or anything. I'm just basically, you know, being pushed along in this state of paralysis. And this really, like, super pleasant feeling began to, like, wash over my body. It just started at my feet and just started coming up my body. It was very, very pleasant. And I started to give into it. I started to think, like, well, this is nice. And then something told me, don't give in. I don't know what. And I went to my go-to, the Hail Mary. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. <laughs> hey, if, maybe that works too. If the shoes fit. Right. By the second line of the prayer, I was awake in my bed, coming out of actual paralysis, uh-huh. like A would act, like begin to move, saying the Hail Mary aloud. Um, I don't want Brother Richard to be upset by this question, but what's the second line of the Hail Mary? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. So it okay. would have been that so was it just a dream was there something more going on i don't know very interesting but i mentioned having sleep paralysis on the strange familiars discord a disturbing number of people had sleep paralysis the same night Ooh, what night was it oh it was it was the 21st oh it was the solstice yeah yeah and then I saw someone on Instagram, completely unrelated, just the someone, you know, I follow on Instagram, mentioned that they had sleep paralysis the same night and had dreamed about a tornado. Hmm. Yeah. I will say that 2020 has had us all pretty much either paralyzed or on our back <laughs> for the, <laughs> the majority of the year. So I read that book on sleep paralysis that said basically people have sleep paralysis you know, it tends to go away in their 30s. So you're getting younger. <laughs> this is my third instance of sleep paralysis outside of my 30s, I believe. So that could end any time. <laughs> I will say, though, when I um, went to the 
Mütter Museum last year, they had a whole display about sleep paralysis, and they said that it's almost always when you're sleeping on your back. I was sleeping on my back. And most of the time you sleep on your side, so I'm thinking mm-hmm. that it probably had something to do with just being spread out. And Yeah, I mean, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, that, in fact, uh, I know someone who refuses to sleep on their back because they said that's how you get sleep paralysis. Well, that's so, smart, isn't it? Yes, it is. I like these proactive measures. <laughs> Before we get into our photo of the week, I want to thank Martin P. for his PayPal donation. Thank you so much, Martin. I also want to thank Barbara. She sent me a paperback version of Spindrift. Oh, cool. (laughs) Yeah, it's got that cool cover. Thank you so much, Barbara. And as always, I want to thank our patrons. We've got a patron show coming out. Should be shortly after this episode. Like I mentioned in the patron break before, it's a on-site episode screams in seven valleys chad and i met a witness in seven valleys back in august and you'll get to hear the insects and the birds and i do like that it's like time traveling be, be transported back to august so our photo of the week is a stereo view this probably would have been a good one to have last week <laughs> i was going to use it last week and i thought maybe it's a little on the nose to have it at the same time we have brother richard it's uh, labeled Ancient Cross, Kilfenora, County Clare, Ireland. It's a guy in a really cool top hat sitting in front of a, you know, what, I don't know if this is a, an appropriate term, but what we would probably call like a Celtic cross. Yeah, yeah. It's, there are apparently several ancient crosses in Kilfenora. And a really cool stone wall. Yeah, he may or may not be in a cemetery here. Some of the stone crosses are in cemeteries, some are not. He may or may not be sitting in a cemetery here. I couldn't find this actual one, like in a modern photo. Mm-hmm. So is it not there anymore? It, was this a repro? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, because I think this is probably like 1870s or so, mm-hmm. maybe 1880, early 1880s. It's a really cool uh, profile view of this guy sitting next to this cross, possibly in a cemetery. If you go to the show notes under this episode at strangefamiliars.com, you'll see a picture of this. If you click on that, it'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can purchase this or other photos of the week. We have some left. And I think you're going to be beefing up the photo section there in general. Yeah, I had previously had them in my own store, but it doesn't really make sense to keep them there now. No I've, one sees them. <laughs> we get a good bit of traffic on the on the Strange Familiars store. Speaking of photos, like we mentioned, if you have old photos, either a single photo or a lot of photos that you'd like us to look at, we do buy old photos We'll definitely take a look at them. I do buy photos of people holding letters, so if you have any of those you'd like to part with. Them. Oh, that's your per- your personal collection, yeah. yeah. But we'll we'll take a look at whatever you got. Happy to do that. Speaking of Etsy, at our Etsy shop, you can find copies of my books, including Where the Footprints End 2, the pre-order. You can find artwork. You can find some of my music and more. Etsy shop name is Lost Grave, or if you look up Strange Familiars, our stuff should come up. While you're on Etsy, don't forget to check out our friends at Karmic Garden. Their shop name is Karmic Garden, one word. They have soaps, scented sanitizers, natural cleaners, candles, beard balm, and more, including Strange Familiars and Flannel Man scents. Again, their shop name, Karmic Garden, on Etsy. 
I heard they're working on A-porting it to you faster than the U.S. Postal Service. So, really? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you could probably still get it for Christmas. <laughs> I don't think we should promise that. <laughs> I know. Probably, since this comes out on Christmas, doesn't it? A little bit before. But right now, we're just rounding the corner. We're recording this right on the cusp of Festivus. So. That's right. The airing of the grievances coming soon. <laughs> we should just do a show of that. The airing of the grievances. Just, just the whole show. Maybe that'll be next year's Christmas show, just airing of the, the grievances. grievances. Yes. <laughs> they just have people come in, call in and just... Yeah. Like, That'd be funny. Yeah. Like an Andy Rooney style. <laughs> Why are all my references from like 1978? I can't, can't come up with anything more recent. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back soon with another episode of Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Collar Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. DarkCollarArts.com. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. Go to StoneBreath.Bandcamp.com for more. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Strange Familiars. And we're on Instagram at Strange Familiars.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.